0: All right, hey, as Cameron said, we are wrapping up our stand series. We've been doing the last few weeks, the last month or so. And we've been walking through uh, the book of Daniel, and we've been tracking the story of really four guys. Daniel, the, the name of the, the, the title of the book, and then uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so we've been looking at how it, they've been put in these different circumstances, where they have an opportunity to potentially compromise their faith and what they believe in. But what they decide to do instead is take a stand. All right, these, these are four young men who have been taken from their home in Jerusalem, right? The motherland, the land of their faith, the land of their fathers, the land of their ancestors. And they have been exiled to Babylon, Okay, and they're living in the king's country. They're living in the king's uh, palace and in his quarters. They've been trained up to be uh, advisors to the king, which means they've been indoctrinated not with the teachings of uh, Jewish law and, and their heritage and their faith, but they've been indoctrinated with the teachings of Babylon. They've been, try- they've been really attempted. They attempted to brainwash them so that they could give wisdom and direction to the king. They were given every opportunity to do the opposite of what their faith and what God desires of their lives. But what they continue to do over and over that we've seen throughout the series, is take a stand, whether it's something small, like what they eat, whether it's something big, like what they decide to worship, whether it's uh, what, what we do when no one sees, like when Daniel was in his room praying, doesn't matter what the king says, "I'm going to pray." No matter what may come, I'm going to do what the Lord desires me to do. And today we're going to talk about standing in the truth, standing with the truth when you have an opportunity to maybe not tell the truth or maybe withhold some of the truth. And so let me ask you this question as we get started. Have you ever been put in the position to speak truth to someone? And what I don't mean is uh, put it in a position to simply tell the truth. Hopefully you're always doing that, right? Hopefully you are an honest person who speaks the truth. Like that's just when you speak, you are speaking truth. You're speaking truthfully. But that's not necessarily what I mean. What I mean is, have you ever been put into a position to speak truth to someone? Whether it was a challenging truth or an encouraging truth. Have you ever been put in that position? Whether it's to a coworker whether it's to a child or maybe even a spouse or, or maybe a, even a family member. I've been put in that position where uh, I needed to go and, and speak truth to a family member of mine. I did not want to do it. It backfired when I did it. When it comes to speaking truth, sometimes it can be kind of intimidating, can't it? How are they going to take it? Is it going to blow up in my face? For some reason, speaking truth can be kind of intimidating. Now, uh, has anybody here ever seen the movie uh, Interstellar? It was about 10 years ago. Okay, like Christopher Nolan film. Matthew McConaughey's in it. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting uh, movie about uh, just like the future Earth. And, and so just, you know, typical space movie. We have to leave the world to save the world. And then we have to go find a new world that we can all... Uh, you know, rehabitate the new world and, you know, just all the typical science fiction stuff. And so they, they go on this mission. And so Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey's character plays, uh, he plays a character named Cooper. His last name is Cooper. And so he gets recruited to go on this mission. And so they're getting ready to go in the spaceship. And so they have two robots go with them and kind of our support to the, the astronauts. And so one of them is named TARS, okay? It's this boxy robot that you don't think is going to do anything, but then it can it can walk. And the thing about TARS is he speaks and sounds just like a human. Like you talk to him, it's almost like you're talking to a person because that's just the way he's been programmed and, you know, it's future AI and things like that. So they're launching, Okay. And Cooper, who is heading up the mission, is, is giving out orders and things like that. And TARS, this robot, starts giving him like flack. He starts like being sarcastic to Cooper, and Cooper's like, like like looking at his, his co-pilot, and his co-pilot said, "Yeah, I gave him a uh, a humor parameter." So Cooper's like, "TARS, what is your uh, humor parameter set at?" 100%. Why don't we dial that back to 75%? All right, let's maybe cut down on some of the sarcastic comments. A few, uh, just, just shortly after that, Cooper realizes that TARS also has an honesty parameter. Okay, so Cooper asks TARS, What is your honesty parameter? 90%. 90%. And I imagine, like, if you're you're Cooper, what are you thinking? Like, this is a robot? Like, I need him to tell me the the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you. So help you, God. Like, I know Han Solo said, never tell me the odds, but please, like, I need this vital information for this mission that we're on. So Cooper says, 90%. And Tars responds like this. He says, absolute honesty is not the safest nor the most diplomatic form of communication with emotional beings. Think about that. Absolute honesty is not the most diplomatic nor is it the safest form of communication with emotional beings. Like, would you believe, like, would you believe that? Like, I mean, I've been in that situation where if, you, if I were to speak that extra 10% of truth, like it could be trouble. But here's the thing. You and I have experienced this. Honesty, speaking truth to someone isn't always safe. In fact, sometimes it's downright scary. Sometimes it can feel dangerous. A lot of times it can feel inconvenient. A lot of times, if we feel like we're in a position where we, we could speak truth to someone, we may even have thoughts like, well, I don't feel like I'm the right person to speak this truth, or I don't think this is the right time, and we make excuses. But Scripture is abundantly clear, and there's so many verses we could talk about when it comes to truth. There's a lot of different conversations we could get into when it comes to like objective truth versus relative truth, which doesn't really exist. It's not a thing. Anyway, but this, this is what Scripture says in the, in the book of Proverbs. This is what the Lord says about truth. The Lord detests lying lips, okay? But he delights in those who tell the truth. So what do we do about that extra 10% where we tell the whole truth? Not just not just telling the truth, but speaking truth to someone who needs to hear it. Well, to answer that question, we're going to look at a story again in the life of Daniel where he's put in a position not just to tell the truth, but to speak truth. He has an opportunity to withhold that extra 10%, but what he decides to do is to go the full 100 and speak truth. So we're going to be in the book of Daniel, in case you hadn't figured that out already. If you want to, you can read along with me. We're going to read the whole of chapter four. (gasps) He's going to read the whole chapter. Yes, I'm going to read the whole chapter. So what you need to do, like we're getting in a spaceship, buckle in. We're going on a ride. You ready? All right, let's go. All right, this chapter four is a letter written from King Nebuchadnezzar. Do you guys remember King Nebuchadnezzar? Remember, if you watch VeggieTales, this is old Nezzar, right? The, the big cucumber with the, with the white hair and the white beard. VeggieTales, anybody? Am I dating myself? Okay, thank you. Some people. All right. Uh, it, we've, we've been hearing a couple stories about King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the same king who uh, built the statue, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not worship the statue, and so he threw them into the fiery furnace. Really, really great guy. So uh, this is a letter from King Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what king, the king says. Verse one. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the most high God has performed for me. Okay, first of all, King Nebuchadnezzar typically is full of himself. He's a pretty arrogant guy. So the fact that he's beginning his letter by glorifying God, it gives you a clue that something's up, something's different, okay? Something has changed in this man. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, his rule throughout all generations. Okay, king, what are you on? Because like, I've never heard you speak this way about your kingdom. I, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity as if there was any way else to live. But one night, I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order, calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, and, and astrologers and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. His name was Belteshazzar after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar knows that there's something different about Daniel. He has seen that throughout his whole life, that there's something different about Daniel. And he claims that it's the spirit of the gods. Okay, Well, what we know for, to be true is that it's the spirit of God, like the one, the true God. God gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. Okay, a few uh, chapters earlier in the the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream about the future that Daniel interprets. God has given Daniel this uh, ability and puts him in this position to speak to the king. I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now, tell me what my dream means. While I was laying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then, As I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And the messenger shouted, cut down the tree, lop off its branches, shake off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump. Leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now. Let him, the stump, let him be drenched with dew, the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field for seven periods of time. I don't know how long, if it was seven days, seven months, seven years. For seven periods of time, let him be. Let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the Holy One so that everyone may know that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. In other words, this is not your kingdom. God put you in this position. God gave you this kingdom that has provided shade and produce and and goodness and provision for all the world. The most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. That was the dream. And the king says, Belteshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so, but you, you can tell me because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Now, upon hearing this dream, Daniel was, also, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Okay. Daniel knew what it meant. And he did not want to tell the king. He was overcome. He was frightened by what it meant. So back in the story of this golden statue with Daniel Shad- or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, someone comes and delivers a message to King Nebuchadnezzar, like, "Hey, those three guys over there, like, they're not—they're not worshiping you." And it says King Nebuchadnezzar, when he heard this, flew into a fit of rage. I'm sure Daniel heard about it. Like you don't just, like you don't write that passive, like he flew into a fit of rage. Daniel knows what this man is capable of when he hears a message that he does not like. And so Daniel has a choice. He has a choice not just to tell the truth, but to speak truth to this man. The king notices that uh, Daniel is, is nervous. He says, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. So here we go. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, Lord, and not to you. I want us to hang out there for just a moment. I wish the events of this dream would happen to your enemies and not to you even though Daniel was in a land that was not his own, even though he was taken captive from his home, serving a foreign king, forced to learn uh, foreign religions, serving a king that had probably caused a lot of harm and violence and just disruption of their whole lives, had enough love and respect to say, what I'm about to tell you, I wouldn't wish on anybody. I would not wish this on you, your king, but, but on your enemies. Because what I'm about to tell you is going to be hard. Daniel has enough love and respect not just to tell the truth, but to speak truth. We'll see that in a second. The tree that you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree your majesty is you you are the tree providing the fruit and the shade and all of the world for all of the world for you have grown strong and great your greatness reaches up to heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth then you saw a messenger a holy one coming down from heaven and saying cut down the tree and destroy it but leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. In other translations, uh, it it even says, let him chew the cud. In other words, king, you're going to behave like a wild animal, like a cow or something, eating grass and just, just chewing the cud. What's King Nebuchadnezzar doing? Oh, he's out chewing the cud. This is what the dream means, your majesty. Okay. Daniel told him what the dream was. Now here's what the dream means. Your majesty, with the most high, this is what the most high declared will happen to the Lord, my king. You'll be driven from human society. You will be living in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven because that's what you do like if you're living out in the fields in the early morning like the dew comes down you get drenched seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn okay until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses but the stump and the roots of the tree that were left in the that were left in the ground this means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules Daniel could have stopped there. Daniel was honest with the king. Daniel told the king the truth. Okay, he, he interpreted the dream, which is what the king asked him to do. He could have been done right there. Okay? The king still could have gotten mad because like, who wants to hear that, like, hey, you're going to lose your sanity and go eat grass for seven periods of time. He could have stopped there. But Daniel takes it a step further and he speaks truth to the king. He goes beyond simply just interpreting the dream. And he takes this opportunity to speak something, a message of truth that the king needed to hear from, the, from his own heart. And here's what Daniel says. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Dude, like, he just told the king that he was wicked. Like, if you knew who Nebuchadnezzar was, like, that that could be a death sentence right there. Like, tell him, tell me I'm wicked? Get out of here. Off with his head. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then, you will continue to prosper. See, Daniel didn't just stop at telling the truth. He took this opportunity to speak truth. Because here's here's what I want us to understand, okay? God puts us in position to speak truth to people. He puts us in position to speak truth to people, and he equips us with the truth, Remember what I said? Daniel was uh, equipped. God gave him the the gift to be able to interpret dreams. He was the head of all of the uh, the king's advisors, all All the the wisdom sayers and the truth sayers. Daniel was the the head of, of that whole order. God put him in position and equipped him with the truth. Not just like telling the truth, but like the truth, God's truth. Stop sinning. Break from your wicked past. And then maybe God will bless you. Then maybe you will continue to prosper. Have you ever been put in that position? Not just to be honest, but to speak truth. I know you have. And I know that God will continue to put you in that position. And not just put you in that position, but to equip you. Okay, God uses our story, he uses our past, he uses our brokenness, he uses what we know about the truth, God's truth, not just for our own lives, but so that we can speak truth to those who who need to hear what the truth is. Sometimes that's a hard truth, like what Daniel said to King Nebuchadnezzar. Sometimes it's a word of encouragement of someone who's experiencing pain or brokenness. Sometimes it's just simply uh, giving someone some perspective. Maybe it's a coworker who doesn't quite believe what you do and they're questioning uh, faith. They're questioning the logic of everything. They don't know where to go or who to trust. And you speak truth in that person's life. You see, Daniel, okay, what was the key for him to be able to speak truth to King Nebuchadnezzar? First of all, we saw it. He had love and respect for this man okay? It's one thing if you're just going to be honest with, with someone. It's one thing if you're going to say, hey, like, you really need to stop chewing with your mouth open. Like you, you work one cubicle away from me. Like You could possibly speak that message in love, but like, that's not quite what I'm talking about. Like You don't have to like someone to love someone. Daniel loved and respected this man enough to speak truth. The other thing is that Daniel, there were truths that Daniel believed that he was willing to die for. There were truths that Daniel believed, and he believed in strongly enough that he was willing to die for. Because if you tell a message like that to King Nebuchadnezzar, that's probably what would happen flying into a fit of rage, throwing you into a furnace. But Daniel believed what Psalm 24 says. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's what the dream meant. Until you realize, O King, that your kingdom is not your own, that this world belongs to the Lord, that your, uh, the people of your kingdom, they are not yours. They belong to the Lord. They belong to God. Daniel believed that truth enough that he was willing to die for it. So my question for us this morning is, do you have truths that you believe strongly enough that you'd be willing to bet your life on it? Is there a truth that you believe strongly enough that you would not just bet your life on it, but that you would love someone enough to speak it to them? Toby Mack is a, uh, an artist. His name is uh, Toby McKeon. If you've listened to The Fish or to Caleb at all, chances are you've heard one of his songs, Come On. Uh, in 2021, he released an album called Life After Death. And uh, man, 2020 through 2021, was that not a challenging year? My goodness, really confusing, disorienting. It was even more challenging for Toby McKeon because during that period of time, he lost his 21-year-old son to an accidental overdose. And his world was crushed. Uh, Someone heard him say once that he didn't even think if he could ever sing a joyful, happy song again. And that's all that Toby's songs are. They're praiseworthy, they're, they're, they're joyful, they're singing uh, glory to the Lord. This, that album, okay, it's called Life After Death. It was written after that whole period of time happened. But on it are songs that are just full of giving the truth, which is that God is good, that God is faithful, Okay. One of the songs on that album is called uh, Life On It. And I want to read you just a couple of the the words uh, from this song. Okay. He says this, everybody needs somebody. Don't try and fake the folly. Anytime it cuts, we all bleed. Everybody's got the same needs. I'm standing. Okay. I love that imagery. We're talking about stand. Okay. I'm standing on the hill that I die on. Okay. Okay. So let me go and get my fight on down to my final heartbeat. Nobody's going to take away what I believe. I never thought for a second when you when I asked you to save me that I'd be stepping into the waves that would take me to the valleys we've crawled or the peaks that we've run from the blessings poured out to me losing my son. You're my way and my truth. I'm a disciple of you. Through the highs and the lows, my heart will always stay true. They could put me in chains. They could lock me away. They would slay me in vain. I will always remain. He says, I put my life on it. That's the chorus. It's that phrase. I put my life on it. Willing to die for it. No matter what they say. He works in the entertainment industry. You know that there are people in that industry who don't believe the same things that he does, who make him want to question God's goodness, God's faithfulness, especially for him to lose his son that way. No matter what they say, if I ever go MIA, it's because they took my life for it. I'll put my life on it. I'll put my life on it. Toby McKeon Has truths that he'd be willing to die for. The truth that God is good no matter what. That God is faithful. What are the truths that you believe so strongly that you'd be willing to die for? Here are a few that I believe. Just like Toby said, I believe that God is good. Okay. I have an opportunity uh, each night to tuck our, our, our kids in and Katie is you know, six years old now so she's starting to ask questions and, and I'm able to speak truth to her and sometimes I'll tell her like if, if we experience trouble or pain or if there's someone in our family going through some type of trouble or pain she'll be, we'll be talking about that and I just look at her and I go I want you to know no matter what you experience in this life and I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking right into the eyes of this six-year-old little girl. No matter what you experience in this life, that God is good. Okay, and I'm looking at this six-year-old little girl, knowing that her mom, knowing that our, our, the other women of faith in my family, we've all been through just excruciating pain and heartache and brokenness. And I know that's in store for her. So I want her to cling to the truth from an early age that God is good. And you look at her and you can see her just, she's just looking, she's just staring at you. You can tell she's soaking it up like a sponge. But the fact that God is good no matter what, I, I would die, like you put a gun to my head, I'm still gonna say it. You shoot my family members before you get to me, I'm still gonna say it. God is good. It's a hill I'd die on. Another truth that I believe is that God is with you no matter where you go. So be strong. That's one that I tell to my son Samuel. We're memorizing uh, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's what I want him to know as a young little mighty man, only four years old. I want him to know that truth that you don't have to be afraid. Because I know your, your strength is going to get tested. Don't be afraid. Be strong. God is with you no matter where you go. Another truth that I would die on is that this right here, God's word, I believe that it is the truth. It is the authority in my life. I believe what the author of Hebrews said, that all scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired, and is useful for correcting, for teaching, for rebuking, and training in all righteousness. It is the authority in my life. That's a hill I'd die on. Another truth I believe is that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. and that There's no way to the father except through him. Salvation is found in no one else. Because the world right now will tell you that there's many ways to salvation that may require faith or not. There's all kinds of truth going on right now. Things that people are saying. But that's the hill I'd die on. That Jesus Christ came, died, rose again to take away the sins of the world, including mine. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ alone. What truths do you believe so strongly enough that you'd be willing to die for them? And not just die for them, but live for them, to be able to speak them to someone else. Because God can and will, he's going to put you in a position to carry the message of truth to someone. The truth is in your lungs, okay? I want you to think about that concept. The truth is in your lungs, in your very being, okay? You can put that slide up there, uh, Jerry. The truth is in your lungs. Have you guys ever seen the Saving Private Ryan? That's one of my favorite wartime movies, Tom Hanks, uh, back in the late 90s. Uh, There's this one scene where they're in the middle of of a battle of a skirmish. And so they need to get a message from one side to the other side. And in between, there's this battle zone where there's crossfire and things like that. And so uh, they they call for a runner. You guys know what a runner is, correct? It's it's someone, they, they, they speak the message to this runner And that that person's job is to run as fast as you can, dodging, uh, you know, gunfire and and grenades and all, you know, landmines, all these different things, to run as fast as you can to get to their side. Well, the the soldier gets cut down with gunfire. But the, the gunfire doesn't stop. The Germans, the Nazis, they keep shooting. And one of the soldiers watching this happens goes, why do they keep shooting him up like that, Captain? He's already down. Why do they keep shooting him up? The captain says, as long as he has breath in his lungs, he still carries the message. As long as he has breath in his lungs, he still carries the message. As long as you have the breath of life in your lungs, you carry the message of truth. You carry the message of Jesus, the gospel, but you also carry the whole message of this truth. to use to speak truth to people. Now, you and I aren't in, thankfully, right now, a physical war, but we are in a spiritual war. Okay, Paul says this in Ephesians. Throw that up there, Jared, let's read this. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, "A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to What? Stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Okay, we're not fighting this war. Some the, like we are, we live in time of war every once in a while. There's war going on. You know, over over east. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in the dark, this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places, okay? The battle is for your soul, for your heart. And whether a person is a believer in Jesus or not, there is a battle going on. Paul is saying you need to be equipped and ready, okay? Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be what? Standing, stand, take a stand, stand firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of what? The The very first piece of equipment that Paul says to equip yourself with is the belt of truth. Because he knows we are in a spiritual battle where the truth is going to be attacked. So, who in your life needs to hear the truth? Is it a child? Is it your teen who's questioning their identity? Wondering what's going to happen in the future? Is it your spouse? Maybe your your wife who's really discouraged? Maybe wondering if she feels loved or if you think she's beautiful? Is it your husband who doubts whether he has what it takes? Because we all do, whether you see it or not. Wondering if he has the strength to lead his family? Is it a coworker who's chewing with their mouth open, but also dealing with the loss of their mom? Who in your life, because you know there's someone in your life who needs a message of truth, whether it's a hard truth like what Daniel said, or whether it's a truth of encouragement, who in your life needs to hear the truth? Because God is going to put you in a position Not just the position, but to equip you to speak the truth. So, know the truth. Read the truth. Scripture is God-breathed. You know what else is God-breathed? We are, because we have the breath of life of the Creator Himself in our lungs. So know the truth so that you can turn around and speak life and speak truth to those around you who need it. You know what the result was of Daniel speaking truth to the king? He humbled himself. Okay? He humbled himself and gave glory to God on high. Okay, not just privately, but he wrote a whole letter to the entire known world declaring that God gets all the glory. Sometimes when I talk to Katie at night, it's after I have put all four of my children to bed, who are six and under, and I'm tired. I'm ready to say goodnight, and close the door and go down and breathe. Here's what happens. Here's her. T- the her- she's on the top bunk. The door is right here. You know, we sing the songs, we say the prayers. Right, Good night. Daddy. What does it mean to be baptized? At that moment, speaking truth is not convenient. But God put me in a position. He equipped me to know the truth. So what did we do? I spoke truth. We continued that conversation. And the result, I got to baptize her a couple weeks ago. That, that girl has got so much potential that goes far beyond anything that I could ever train or, or teach. Like she's going to go off and just do wonders, I believe, for the kingdom. Speak truth to people. Because God will and does use it to change lives, and maybe even change the world. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and, and to hear your truth spoken, Lord. Father, I pray that you would use your truth to uh, convict us. Lord, I pray that you would use us to speak truth to, to those who need it, Father. Lord, give us the strength and the courage to stand in the truth to so speak it to those who need it, whether it's sharing the gospel or just sharing some other truth from your word. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.